see. So please come by there. But let's say you've been here a little while or you're brand new and you want to know about GFC. What's the next step? What should you do? We have in our ministry a night called Connect. It is happening tomorrow night, and it's the funnest night you'll have with the JFC uh, team. Pastor Marcus will be sharing a little about JFC. All the pastors will be there from the Lone Tree Campus here at this one. And we get a chance to meet all of you. It's a lot of fun. We encourage you to come. It's a great night. And uh, so that's tomorrow night. Sign up in the lobby, though. We need to know how many folks are coming. Look at all the issues with child care and those kinds of things. So we would appreciate that. So come and be a part of that. Now, uh, this Tuesday also is our annual business meeting. If you're a member and want to be a part of that, we just want to make you aware of that. So join us here at 7 o'clock for the annual business meeting. A lot of stuff going on. All right, let me ask you this, okay? Our church is a very amazing, generous church, and I appreciate and want to express on behalf of the leadership of GFC that we appreciate your faithfulness in giving. I want to challenge you with something. As most of you know, Pastor John is on a uh, spiritual refreshing, renewal kind of uh, thing, and we would love for him to come back in our church even moving forward and not backward with our giving. And that includes our Lakewood campus and everything there. Next week, we're going to bring a video of the Lake, Lakewood campus, let you see what's going on there, hear from Pastor Evan, his heart. You'll get to see that next week, so be a part of that. But thank you for your giving. Many of you also know that we don't pass a plate. I grew up in a church that passed a plate. Anybody grew up in a church like that? Okay. We were a poor Pentecostal church. We passed chicken buckets. Okay. That was always fun. It made me hungry during offering. Anyway, so... Uh, we don't do that, but we provide on the walls near the exits a box. I don't think God cares how you collect it. I think God cares more about the heart. And the Bible teaches that worship is a part of giving. So we want to take a moment in our service and honor God and to just give him praise and for all his blessings and provision. And then I will have one more announcement. Father, we are so grateful for the amazing, abundant provision you have given. We just stop and think how good God is. Our hearts would just be filled with worship and joy. We thank you for the privilege that this money just doesn't put lights to a building or staff, but it truly is beyond that in the sense of bringing God's love to our community and around the world. And it's a privilege to be a part of that through our finances. So we bless this offering in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. All right, hey, grab your notes. Everybody get the white notes, okay? A couple things I want to say about this, okay? Flip it over on the back. Y'all see that square? Okay, how many know what that is? QR code. Very good. We're going high tech. We're going amazing. Let me tell you why we have that on here. In our teaching team meeting, for example, Pastor Marcus, who's speaking today, would have a great thought. And we write it in notes, we talk about it, but we just know it's not... Uh, something we could get in the message in the time frame. So we've established this uh, QR code that will take you to a blog with extra information, resources that we recommend you read related to that topic. It's a great addition to the message. So if you want more, then take that. So yeah, have a smartphone. Anybody here with a smartphone? Okay. Uh, you can get a QR reader at the applications, and all you do is scan that, and it takes you right to our site. Someone said, I don't have a smartphone. Okay, how many of you have dumb phones? Okay. How many of you are dumb? Op- no, don't, don't, don't do that. If you don't have a smartphone but you'd like that extra information, go to our website under the pastor's blogs, and you can get it there. Okay. 
And so please do that. I remember rotary phones. Anybody remember rotary phones? Those were awesome. I loved them. I could read the numbers. <laughs> anyway. All right, one last thing. I just want to make you aware of this. We're gone to a uniform size with this, and the reason is this. We had great creative bulletins. They were amazing, but they were kind of hard to keep track of. Some of you probably had four or five in your Bible, three or four in your dashboard, your backseat, whatever. We want to make it uniform for the purpose of your building a basically a library of sermons through the notes. We've ordered some special leather embossed notebooks that are this size. We'll have those available in a couple weeks. I want to tell you that if you don't want to buy one of those, buy one of your own, bring it. Bring your notebook with the notes to church and your Bible. And for the year and then ongoing, you'll have a resource of notes to refer to. It's really a great tool. I encourage everyone to at least consider getting your own notebook and keeping them that way. So done with all the good stuff. Now we get to the great stuff. Take a look at this video. Hi, JFC. It's Pastor John. I want to greet you today. We're on our sabbatical right now, and I hope that all of you at all of our campuses are praying for Chris and I. We're excited to get back. In the meantime, here's what's happening today. Our campus pastors are going to be teaching the uh, messages examined heart in the series, I Exam, Get Ready. Okay, let's take a look now. Is one better? Um... Is two better? Two for sure. Okay, great. Let's take another look. Is one better? Um, or two? Two. Good morning, JFC. How's everybody doing? Man, we are packed to the gills in here. Makes me happy. God's doing some good stuff. So I just want to say thank you guys for coming out. I know it's getting chilly out there, so thanks for braving the weather and um, coming in. And I just believe that God has a a word for all of us today. I want to welcome everybody on our live stream, too. Anybody who may be uh, our extended family somewhere else in the States here or even out of the country, thank you guys for uh, just joining with us, and we really appreciate that. So um, if you've ever heard me teach before, um, and we are in the third message of our eye exam series called Examine Your Heart, but if you've ever heard me teach before, I love to start my messages with Scripture. I just feel like it's a wonderful way to build a foundation of where we're going here in this process, and I'm going to do that again today. So you may look at this, though, um, in your notes, and you're going to see the Scripture that I'm going to start with. It's Ecclesiastes 2. If you know anything about the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a really interesting place to start a message with because it's a book that Solomon wrote. And as we read these words, if you haven't read it, you probably, after I read this, are going to be like, why in the world is he starting with this scripture? So let's dive in. In your notes, Ecclesiastes 2, verses 10, 11, and 17. And it says this. Again, this is Solomon writing. And he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Then verse 17, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God, 
I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would come and speak through me to us, Lord, as your people, that this would not be a message put on paper, Lord God, but that this would truly be your heart being shared, Father, using me as the vessel, Lord God, but it's nothing about me. It's everything about you. God, I pray that as all of us approach you at this time, at this place, Lord, that you would just come and speak, speak to our hearts. God, we give our hearts to you right now. Father, as we examine the deepest place of who we are, God, I believe, I expect, we are determined as a people to hear from you right now in this place, Lord. And without that, we have nothing, Lord, but when you speak, power and might is released. And we just give you that authority right here, right now in this place, Lord. We are your people and your servants. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So why would I start a message with a portion of scripture that basically says everything that I've ever done in my entire life was meaningless? Well, if you know anything about Solomon, Solomon is David's son. We all know David, right? Solomon was David's son. Um, And Solomon actually was king over Israel. Um, And he wasn't just king over Israel, though. He was king over Israel when Israel was at the apex of its kingdom. It had no, there was never a time in Israel's history and never has been since then that it had more power, more authority, more wealth, more expanse in its kingdom, more peace in its nation. It had everything that they could ever imagine. And Solomon sat on the throne as king over this nation during that time. Now, Solomon wasn't just the king, though. He also, um, by the blessing of God, had, um, he was the wisest man on earth, and that came by a dream that Solomon had one day where he was, he was asleep. God appeared to him in his dream and asked Solomon, God said, Solomon, I will give you anything you want. What is it that you want? And Solomon went back to God, and he said, God, I want to have wisdom more than anything else. And the Bible says that God was pleased with what Solomon had asked for, so he gave it to him. But along with that wisdom, he gave him basically anointing to be king over Israel. Thus, we see the kingdom at the state that it's at now. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, had more money seemingly than anybody had ever had on the face of the planet up to that point. He had more authority and more power over the largest kingdom of the world at that point. He, they had an influence that, they, that the Bible actually says no person had ever had an influence like Solomon had ever had. It was, the kingdom was so far-reaching. He was really the person that people worldwide, globally, would look to as, as a great authority. He had 700 wives and concubines. He had uh, servants and slaves to do anything and everything for him, to wait on him hand and foot. He could have literally anything he wanted. And he did have everything he wanted, only at the end of his life to write the book of Ecclesiastes and say, everything that I have ever done in my entire life was absolutely meaningless. What an interesting place to be at when seemingly you look at Solomon and he had everything. And yet Solomon looked at his life at the end, and he thought he had nothing. He believed he had nothing. And that's a sad place. It's a really difficult place to be. I would hate to be Solomon at the end of his life, looking at everything that he had ever done, only to say, why did I do that? Why did I run after that? Why did I pursue that? Because it had no meaning in my life. 
And so we sat down as a teaching team. We talked about this examining your heart message. And what we pulled out of this scripture, the understanding was, how do we not end up like Solomon? How at the end of our lives do we not end up looking back at our lives and saying, my life was completely meaningless. Everything that I did, I was just chasing after the wind. How do we not end up like this? And I believe that the answer, church, is that we allow our hearts to be searched by God. We allow our hearts to be open to Him, allow Him to examine them. And there are actual practical ways that we can do this in our lives. Proverbs 4.23, a wonderful piece of Scripture in the New King James Version of your Bible, um, and I think it's in your notes as well. And it says this, it says, Keep your hearts with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Another way that I believe the NIV says it is, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it will come your life story. What is in our heart and where our heart is at this moment will determine where our life is. It will determine where our life is going to go. And if we don't want to end up like Solomon, if we want to have something that when we look back on our lives at the end of it, and we say it was totally worth it, then we have to guard our hearts. We have to protect them. We have to allow God to penetrate them. You know, it's interesting because, so I said Solomon, at the beginning of this, I said Solomon was David's son. Well, David actually was a king over Israel as well. And David's life ended very differently than Solomon's did. God was pleased with David and the life that he led. And David, as he looked back on his life, was pleased with what, how he had served the Lord. And there's a dramatic difference between the end of David's life and the end of Solomon's life. And as we looked and paralleled these two stories, we realized that there were three things that David did that Solomon seemingly missed in his life that allowed him to be in the place David at the end of his life saying it was all worth it, and that put Solomon in a place at the end of his life that says it wasn't worth it. It was all meaningless. So what are those three things? What are the three ways that we can examine our hearts? The three things that David did which Solomon missed. Before we jump in this, I want to throw out a disclaimer. I'm not apologizing, but I do want to let people know. We sat down and developed this message, really felt like the Lord spoke to us, gave us some clear understanding on this issue. And then as campus pastors, we kind of, we have the, the skeleton of the notes, and then we go and we really seek the Lord individually, trying to understand, obviously we're the ones that have to preach it, so we don't want to preach just somebody else's message. And so I did that. I've spent plenty of time with the Lord asking Him, you know, how to share this, what are the things that you want me to share, what do you want me to do? And I've tried to slice this so many different ways, only to realize that this is a very sobering message. It's not full of a lot of like smiles and laughter because this is hugely important. In fact, this is a life or death matter. The issues of the heart, just as Proverbs 4 tells us, if we don't deal with the issues of our heart, then our life in the end will have nothing. But if we're able to tackle them and be really serious about this and really dig deep into our heart, give God the opportunity to, to change it, to transform it, then in the end of our lives, we can look back and we say it was all worth it. And church, that's what I want more than anything. More than laughter, more than smiles, more than anything else, I want a church, I want each one of us individually to run after God with everything that we have to give Him our whole hearts because from our heart will come our life story. 
And so we dive into this message, and I am dead serious on this. I am, it's so important. I look out, and I've looked out four services now upon our church, and I love you guys. You are my church. You are my people. And because of my love for you, I cannot let you walk out of this place just feeling good. I need you to walk out of this place feeling challenged. Not just by me, but by God. So we go on a journey together. I teach you things, and we walk in this, and I'm not just telling you to do this. This is something that I myself, for four services now, have walked through. For weeks, I've walked through this. I've wrestled with God. I have issues in my heart, and we all come with heart conditions. And the question, church, that I pose to you is, what are you going to do about it? Are you willing to dive in headfirst to what God has for us today? And if you are, then let's go there together. And we start here. The first way to examine our hearts, the first thing out of this scripture that we saw, which David did, which Solomon seemingly missed, was to ask the right questions. Church, are you asking the right questions about where you are and why you're there, where your heart is? David wrote most of the Psalms and in Psalm 139, he wrote, um, he started the psalm and ended that psalm in 139, both with God searching his heart. In fact, he cried out to God for it. And Psalm 139 says this, it says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You see, David, David understood the, the necessity to allow God to search his heart. David was a man after God's heart, but he realized in this world there are things that will taint our heart, that will try to take us away from God. There are things that will try to turn our heart to stone or try to lead it away from God, and only God can change my heart. David realized foundationally he had no ability to change his own heart, but he did recognize the authority that he had of his own life to give his heart to God. David cried out to God and said, God, search me. God, know me. God, look at my heart. God, see every way in me. And if there is something that's not right with you, let me understand the questions to ask so that I can do something about it. Without that knowledge, without knowing those questions, without being able to seek God, how are we ever supposed to know where our heart really is? How are we ever supposed to know if it's somewhere it's not supposed to be, somewhere that's unhealthy, somewhere that only breeds meaningless things in our lives? In 1 Chronicles 28.9, David recognized the necessity for this in life so deeply that as he was raising his son Solomon, who he knew would become an heir to the throne, he tried to implant these things into his son at a really young age. And David said this to his son Solomon. He said, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father, who's his father, David, and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart. And understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. David taught his son Solomon at the youngest of ages. You seek the Lord with all your heart. You give him all of who you are. You give him your heart. Because from your heart will come your life story. Well, how do we search our heart? How do we understand 
where are our hearts at? So I thought about hearts, and then my mind naturally transitioned from the idea of a spiritual heart to a physical heart. Many people in this world live with heart conditions, <clears throat> whatever it may be. One of the ways that we have with modern medicine been able to uh, check up on somebody's heart is to hook them up to an EKG. And you put all the diodes and whatnot on the person's body, and a lot of times they'll jump on a treadmill and they'll run on the treadmill. And, and really what's happening through that process is they're diagnosing that person's heart. They're asking questions about this heart, and they're looking at a screen, at a monitor, at the readout of the response from that heart. From that response, doctors determine what needs to be done. The person needs to lose weight, they need to go on medication, this, that, and the other. But without going through the process of being hooked up to this EKG, having some kind of a test to run, having some kind of source of questions to be able to ask, you would never know where the person's heart was at. You might know they suffer from a heart condition, but what do you know? How do you know what to do about it? How do you know where to even start? Well, as believers, we have to do the same thing spiritually. We have to check our hearts constantly. We have to go to God, and we have to ask questions We have to release our heart to Him. We have to say, Lord, where is my heart? What are the motives that drive me? You see, like I said at the beginning, we can't change our own heart, but we can really recognize the motives of our heart, which show the condition of it, and from there we can do something about it. So how do we reveal those motives? Well, we hook ourselves up to the spiritual EKG, and we've come up with four questions. This is not an exhaustive list. These are all the questions that you can ask to determine where your heart is, what your motives are, but I think that this is a wonderful starting point. And in your notes, you're going to see questions we can ask ourselves to discover where our heart is. And the first question is this, what do I dream of? What are those things that even you actually naturally dream of these? When you fall asleep, what are those things that you dream of? Or what are those things that you kind of daydream of? What are those things that just that keeps coming to your mind? What is that? Is your heart in that place? I would assume it would be. There's a reason that you dream of those things. What do I fear or what do I worry about? Is fear and worry in your life a driving force? Is there something that you've tried to bury And because of being afraid of it or something else coming out of you, that you've put all of your time and effort and energy there? How about this? Where is my time and my money going toward? You've probably heard it said before, you don't have to be uh, even a believer to to understand, to, to really believe this statement, but where your money and where your time goes, there your heart is. It's a great determiner of understanding where our heart is. Is it in the right place? When you answer that question, is your heart in the right place? What is your motive behind that? Why are you being driven to spend time and spend money in that area? And kind of wrapped up all into this portion, all of these questions kind of filter and funnel into this idea. What does your heart run toward? What does your heart run away from? Now, we have an opportunity to answer these questions in the natural and just to sit down and be like, "Ah, I think this and I think this, and I'll go look at my bank statement and see where my money goes towards. You know, I'm going to ask my wife where my time is going towards. We need to move beyond just the surface of these issues and allow God to penetrate to the heart 
Church, when we ask these questions about ourselves, we have to ask the Holy Spirit these questions. We don't just ask ourselves, but we ask the Holy Spirit that has been implanted in each and every believer. You see, biblically, we understand and we have a knowledge salvation is the most important thing you could ever do in your life. The most important, bar none. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you go to heaven. That's the most important decision you could ever make. When you make that decision, you have the Holy Spirit deposited inside of you because of what you have done, the decision and the choice that you have made. It is up to you to use the Holy Spirit, though, as a source and a guide in your life. And when you ask these questions, you need to go to the Holy Spirit. You need to say, reveal to me these answers. Don't make it just something that I can simply just answer off the top of my head. Make this something that really is penetrating so that I can understand the things that come out of this. I have something tangible that I can work towards. I'm able to do something about the condition of my heart. Church, many times our thoughts as well as our actions, they reveal the state of our heart. In fact, it's not in your notes, but Luke 6.45. Write it down if you've got a pen. Luke 6.45. It says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If there's continual strife, continual difficulty, continual anger, continual whatever it may be, being birthed out of your actions and your mouth, I question where your heart is. Out of the condition of our heart, our life happens. Our interactions happen. And I can tell you what, I've taught, about, I taught on this during our Vintage Christmas series. I'm not always happy with the things that come out of my mouth and the actions that I partake in. And many times I have to go back and I have to fight a constant battle of determining where my heart is, how did it get there, and what am I going to do about it? There are questions that we can ask to diagnose where our heart is, and there are real answers that I believe the Lord and the Holy Spirit will give us in that, that will help us in the process of starting to change our hearts. Church, out of your heart will flow your life story. If you don't want to end up like Solomon, let's start the process of asking the right questions. The second way to examine our hearts, the second thing that David did, which Solomon missed, was he listened to the right people. Are you listening to the right people? You say, well, what is the right person? Well, I think, I think David had a, uh, a great example of this in his life, and it came in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, we know that David was human. David was not perfect. He was, he was human just like all of us, and he sinned and he struggled in his life. In fact, there was a point in his life where he struggled greatly. He was the king over Israel, and he had authority and power to basically do whatever he wanted. And so one day he saw a woman whose name was Bathsheba bathing on top of a roof, and the Bible says basically his heart lusted after her. His heart wanted her. His flesh wanted her. He saw her, and he's like, I need that woman. And so, as he started to pursue her, he found out that she was married. Well, that wasn't good enough for David. David wasn't satisfied to just say, you know what, she's married, she's off limits, she can't be mine. What David actually did was he had Bathsheba's husband killed in battle. And after he was killed, he pursued her and had her. He sinned. He 
Could you imagine having some guy killed, the husband of a woman that you wanted, and so you just have him murdered so that you can have her? What an amazing heart condition. But the, the really cool thing in this story is the fact that David didn't walk as king alone. He had a really good buddy whose name was Nathan. Nathan was a man of God as well. And after Nathan heard what David had done, he came to David boldly. Remember, David's the king. But Nathan came to David boldly, and he, he, he said, David, I got a story for you. David said, okay. So Nathan said, there was a rich man, and there was a poor man. The rich man had a massive flock of goats, and the poor man had only one goat. And this goat was like the poor man's best friend. They would like eat dinner together. They were, you know, if they had television, they'd probably watch television together. You know, they were buddies. And the rich man had a friend that came and visited him. And instead of the rich man taking one of the goats of his flock to use as food for his guest, he actually went and stole the one goat that the poor man had. And he killed that goat, and he fed it to his friend, and they enjoyed it. And immediately as Nathan was telling David this story, David rose up, the Bible says, and with anger he said, who is that man? He should be killed. And Nathan looked David in the eyes and he said, David, it's you. And the Bible clearly tells us that because of the relationship that David had with Nathan, because Nathan was bold to confront David, David was able to get to a place of repentance before the Lord and accept the forgiveness that comes through repentance. Without that relationship, though, seemingly David might never have come to the Lord asking for that. Church, as we read about Solomon's life, the question came up, did Solomon have someone like a Nathan in his life? I bet he didn't. There was never a person as powerful as Solomon was. There was never a person as wise as Solomon was. And I could truly imagine as I read these scriptures, especially Ecclesiastes, to look back on his life saying everything was meaningless. Solomon never had somebody to call him out in his life saying, you know what, man, you're, kinda, you're straying away here. You're doing the wrong thing. He never had anybody to challenge him. He walked alone. In order for us to be able to walk in this appropriately, to be able to listen to the right people, two things must be in place. First, we must have people like Nathan in our lives. We must be in good relationships. We can't just be looking for relationships where people are going to pat us on the back. When we sin, they're going to be like, you know what, it's okay, everybody sins, not a big deal, you're fine. We need to have people who will challenge us. We need to have people who we are held accountable to. Some of you, you need to just have people. Some of you come into this church 10 minutes late, you stay until about five minutes before worship is over, and then you leave, and you never have a relationship with anybody in here. You will never find a Nathan if that's the way you walk in your life. Church, look around you. We are packed in here. God has blessed us as a church with a wonderful community of people. And I believe with my whole heart, if you sit in here and you're flying solo, there is a Nathan in this church for you. You need to find that person. 
And the second thing to make this successful, you don't just find that person, you don't just be in good relationship with them, you have to accept and listen to the words that they say. It's not good enough to just have somebody who's bold and willing enough to speak into your life. You have to be able to listen to it and to discern what they're saying and then to apply it to your life. David and Nathan, Nathan took a bold step in confronting David. David could have had Nathan killed at the drop of a hat for what he said to him, but he understood why God had put Nathan in his life, and he understood that from that relationship came a course correction that brought repentance, brought forgiveness, and brought life. Church, do you have Nathan in your life? Do you have somebody like that? If you even have to think about it for a moment, I bet you don't. You will know who a Nathan is. They're the person, like, when you start to stray off the path, they don't, they don't even have to be around you. You don't have to tell them what's going on. They know what's happening. They see it. Your relationship is deep enough to where they're able to just, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit implanted inside of them, say, what's going on? Can I help you? They're the people that are willing to slap us upside the back of the head and say, what are you doing? And the people that we're willing to take that from. Church, it is hugely important to have a Nathan in your life, if not a couple of them. Because with it, many times there's things of our heart that we miss or that we bury and we just don't want to deal with. And the third thing in our lives, the third thing that we can do to examine our hearts, the third thing that David did, which Solomon missed, that was to follow the right word. What is the right word? It's the word of God. It's the Bible, the inerrant scriptures that man wrote with their hands, but God inspired them. David understood this. He wrote in Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11, he said, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David ingested God's word and he lived by it. He understood that God's word was not just a bunch of things on paper. God's word was something that was applicable to his life. That it was something that he didn't just read and say, ah, oh, that's a wonderful principle, but that he read it and made it a part of who he was. David says, I have hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. I have memorized your scriptures. I have put them into practice. I have allowed them to be living. I have allowed them to be active in who I am. And they have allowed me to walk on the path that is straight and is narrow, that keeps me from sinning. And when I do sin, they're the words that bring a course correction in my life. They're your truth. They're timeless. They're not a book that you read like a novel and you put it back down and you'd be like, oh, I read that already. They are inspired by God, written by Him, and they are alive. In fact, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of what? Of the heart. 
Church, if we use, again, if we use the Holy Spirit in our lives as we read His Word, it becomes more than just a good idea. And it, it becomes more than just a wonderful story. But it becomes alive and it becomes active and it becomes a sword in our lives that penetrates to the heart to reveal where we are. Now, I've read the Bible and gotten nothing out of it. But I have also read the Bible and immediately at that place been convicted of my place where my heart is at. Does the Word of God jump out at you? Is it alive and active or is it just a good idea? It goes beyond just the message of salvation, church. The Word of God speaks into every area of our lives, in every area of our heart. You see, Solomon actually wrote a huge portion of the Scriptures. I believe, it's, it's, it's merely my opinion, I believe he was inspired by God to write those things, but I believe he used much of his natural ability that God gave him through his wisdom to write those things, because surely he didn't live by them. Because at the end of his heart, he didn't allow those things to change his course. He didn't allow those things to set him up for a place where at the end he was happy about where he had been. He ended up at the end of his life looking back on everything, saying, my life was meaningless. How did he get there? I'm not sure, but I don't know that he really followed the Word of God, the living and active Word. And if he did, he did not allow it to be the sword that penetrates to the soul. Now, I know a lot of us come here with, a, with filters in our lives. We, we li you listen to everything that is being said, and you filter it. And some of us come here, and because of deep pain and deep difficulties, we go through asking the right questions and listening to the right people and following God's Word. And because of conditions already of our heart, our filter is so tight that we don't let anything through. And if you're in that place, you have to let go of it. You have to open your filter up right now, and you have to let God penetrate your heart. Don't let it be what I'm saying to you. Let God do something right now. If I have preached this entire message, and you still sit there and be like, Bleh. there's probably something wrong with your heart. God has something He wants to speak to us right now. He has something He wants to speak to you. And this is beyond me. I am a fool and an idiot if I don't have God with me to use me as his vessel. But I believe he's saying something right now. And if that is you and you're here with that tight woven filter, it's time to release it and let him take control. Now, there are also those of us in this room that our filter is, is loose at best, if not just completely broken or non-existent. And we never filter anything that's said to us. We're like the people that every book we read and every message we listen to and every person that we talk to are like, oh, that's it. And we read this book and we're like, I'm doing that until we read the next book or until we listen to the next message or until we do the next thing. Everything, we are consumers at best. And all we do is we just keep consuming, 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 and we never actually filter it through anything. Therefore, we're not really applying anything to our lives. It really holds no power 
and it's just wait till next week till you're on to the next thing. And if that's you and your filter's broken, you need to reel things back a little bit. What's the balance? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in your life is your filter. When I teach, when you ask questions, when you read the Bible, when somebody comes and talks to you, when you read this book or this message or any of that kind of stuff, you have to use the Holy Spirit that's been implanted inside of you to filter everything that's said and say, God, what are you saying to me? And you need to do that right here and right now. Because if you can't do that, then this, I even prayed at the beginning of this message, this is just, these are good words written on paper. But how do they become alive? How do they become applicable to your life? How do we truly see a heart change? We allow the Holy Spirit to be the filter in everything that we do. And we walk that out. We put action to it. So in conclusion of this message, there is some really, there is something amazingly great in this whole story and in this whole process with Solomon. So Solomon writes 11 and a half chapters Literally, go back and read it. Go read Ecclesiastes. It'll take you like 45 minutes. Read the 11 and a half chapters and tell me like one joyous thing that he talks about in there. He says, this was meaningless. I cannot believe I did that. I ran after this only to find out that it meant nothing. I had everything in this world. I had riches. I had power. I had wealth. I had servants. I had women. I had everything. And yet everything that I put my mind to, every effort, every energy, every word, every action meant nothing. And he's just, he writes a whole book in the Bible about it. And at the very, very end, he wrote these words. This is literally Ecclesiastes 12, the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, the last couple of verses of that chapter. And he says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. You see... God's grace extends so far that even at the end of our lives, He will bring us back around to Him. He has that power and that ability and the grace and the mercy to do so. And as I invite the worship team up here and we close this, I have some really good news for you. You don't have to wait till the end of your life. You don't have to wait till the end of your life for God to take your heart to mold it and shape it for Him so that you, at the end, don't have to look back and say everything is meaningless. Church, I share this message because I care. I care about your salvation. I care about where you are going to live eternally. And then after that, I care about how you lived your life here and now. I care about where your heart is because where your heart is right now, your story will come from that. If your heart is in a place of being hardened or difficult or that it runs away from God or in fear or in worry or in doubt, for some reason you're not allowing that to pursue Him, your story will one day be in the end just like Solomon's. You will look back and be like, why did I do that? It meant nothing. But church, if our heart is tender and we can protect it for God, we can open it up to Him and we can be real with ourselves we can use the Holy Spirit, which is in each one of us. My prayer would be that we can all be like that so that in the end of our lives, we can look back and we can say, thank you, Lord, that my life meant something.
Thank you, Lord, that my time and my energy and my effort and my thoughts and my dreams and my actions and my desires, everything that I did was pleasing to you. Church, we have become a society of believers. We are, I, I termed it, I, we're, we are becoming the medicated Christians. What does that mean? Well, it means this. Okay, so physically, a couple years ago, I had some issues. I had some lower back issues, some major pain, like running, shooting down my leg, like debilitating, bad stuff. And I'm too young for that. So I went to the doctor, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I find out that I was born with like a birth defect like in my vertebrae, but it wasn't a huge deal. They could do surgery, but they didn't want to do that. And he said, look, you have two options. I can prescribe to you pain medication, and we can deaden that thing. And when that pain comes around, you can take this medicine, and you'll feel a little bit better, you know, but your mind goes a little crazy. And so you can deal with it that way, or you can start to do these exercises, you can lose some weight, and we can see what happens there. And you have a choice to make, one or the other. You can medicate, and the problem never goes away. It is always going to be there. It's like a, putting a Band-Aid on a wound that requires surgery. Like, it doesn't just go away by itself. Or you can do something that's going to make a lasting impact. And that's going to change that forever. And I think as a church, many times we suffer from heart conditions. Listen to me. I'm not beating you up. I'm just trying to speak truth here. This is important. This is a life or death issue, guys. Many of us suffer from heart conditions. And rather than dealing with the heart condition, we put Band-Aids on it. We medicate. And we go to the person that we know is going to pat us on the back and be like, your heart's okay, it's all right, not a big deal. Or we go and we look and we dive into Scripture only inappropriately looking for that word that's going to lift us up in our spirits as opposed to the thing that's going to challenge us and to make us change. And it's not okay. It's not okay to suffer from a heart condition because it will kill you. It will kill you. And I'm not okay with my church dying from heart conditions when we can do something about it. When I can do something in my own life about my heart. So how do we do it? We start to examine right here and right now. This is an overwhelming amount of information. So rather than saying, okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna go 1.1 in the first song and then we're gonna go so we're going to ask the right questions in the first song. And then, you know, second point, listen to the right people. If you don't have a Nathan in your life, I want you to stand up. And those of you who are Nathans, I want you to go visit that person during the second song. And then the third song, we're going to read the Word of God, and I want everybody to read this book and whatnot. Well, that's, we're not going to do that. It's, we're going to start a process right now. It's kind of an open-ended deal. It doesn't ever end. We will always struggle with heart conditions. What you do with them is the important part. Do we tackle them? So we're going to go into a time of worship. And for this first song, rather than putting words on the screen, rather than even showing video on the screens of our worship team, we're going to put those four questions under point one. And I want you, I want every person in this room, and I will do the same thing, and I will promise you that I will do this. 
I want you to read those questions, and then I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, help me answer these for my life. And I believe if you do that, he will reveal things to you. Some of you, he will reveal major things to you that you need to deal with. Some of them, little course corrections, little bumps here and there, but it's hugely important that we start this process of asking him and opening our hearts to him. So church, let's do that. And after that first song, Josh will ask you guys to stand up and you are free to go and take communion at the front. We have wine at the crosses. We have juice for communion, self-serve. We have the crosses to pin things that you, that the Lord reveals to you. We have candles up in the front to say, Jesus, you are the light in every situation in my life. You can respond however you want. I don't care. What I care about is a people that are running after God right now, that are using the Holy Spirit that is given to them to search to the deepest places of their hearts and then to respond from that. So church, let's do that together. Josh.